The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists and, ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Pond. Pond are a psychedelic rock band from Perth. On their ninth album, aptly named Nine, they took a mostly insular approach, drawing on personal experiences and niche interests for lyrical themes. Frontman Nick Albrook wanted the album to be lengthy and sprawling, but in a democratic vote amongst band members, they decided to cap it at nine tracks. This is where the deluxe edition comes in. With four new songs added to the track list, Nick and I go through all 12 songs in depth. So buckle in. Yeah, this is the first time I've done a deluxe album, which is actually kind of cool because, you know, normally we get to talk about the concept of, I guess, like the initial finished album in isolation. But now we get to kind of talk about why like four new songs have emerged and have been added on. But we'll get to those ones later since they're kind of more as bonus songs tend to be kind of placed at the tail end. But there's just a lot in this album. I was on Google quite heavily last night as I was doing my notes, like probably Googling every other name, lyric, thing, trying to (laughs) clock every reference that I could. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's a lot for us to work with. Um, so we'll start right from the top, which is song for Agnes. So when I initially heard this song, the thought in my head was, this feels like one of those songs where it's not like specifically about something. It's just like a lot of words that like evoke a feeling. But then I did some research and learned that it's about a painter from Canada named Agnes Martin. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, this, this is, this is really... This is one of the few songs I've ever written that a lot, a lot of it is about, um, is about something. Um, you know, usually, usually it is just kind of, you know, a a vomit of, a vomit of feelings. Um, and like, um, I guess poetry, is it pretentious to say poetry? You can say poetry. Um, it's a safe space. <laughs> it's a safe space for pretension. Okay. Um, yeah, I um, it was. I I think I really like the idea that her um, this letter that she wrote to her. I think it's her her dealer, as like art dealer. Um. um it's really, it's like really simple. It's the, you know, Beethoven is really about something. I go to sleep when it, when it gets dark, like a chicken, let's go to lunch. And, um, 
I really like the idea that just repeating that sort of like word for word, um, but over music can kind of give it a um, can give can 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 give it like in a different context, you know, words can have a different, a very different meaning to different people with a different sort of um, a different ambience behind them, different chords and melodies behind them, like delivered in different ways to different ears. There's like an infinite sort of rainbow of, of, of impressions that can be drawn from. Yeah. Well, for me, there's something that feels very just straightforward and what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's kind of just not overcomplicating things. It's just, you know, life is we go to bed, we get up, let's go to lunch. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at her paintings and she was very minimalist in her style. Like, it, there's this sort of calm, I guess, that comes with yeah. her art, you know? Yeah, well, she was, um, she was like real, um, real big on Zen practice. And, um, um, and sort of, I don't know, I guess took it to, a took it to a logical American conclusion. Canadian, <laughs> like, I should say. She's from Canada. She's Canadian, but like living in, living in America, I guess. Um, I'm Canadian, by the way. This is why I felt the need to correct you. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. No, I'm very you. protective of my people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, you've got to watch out for us. We're we're just as bad as the as the Americans, you know. We'll take yeah. we'll take New Zealand's Lamingtons. There you go. Pavlovas, Russell Crowe. We'll take it all. We don't care. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. A system of we need a system of checks and balances. There you go. That's what I'm um, here for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she um but I just really, yeah, I really like the way her, her paintings are, are done like that. And apparently she'd just sort of sit, sit out on a porch, um, you know, rocking on a rocking chair, kind of engaged in this very like, in this very like down home version of like, uh, of Zen meditation. Until like an image, um, you know, crystallized for in her mind for long enough for her to actually get it down. But Agnes Martin seemed like a real like um, Zen master, just living by herself, wearing jeans, rocking on a rocking chair, and doing these fucking incredible paintings. There you go. Well, maybe, I guess sometimes that's all you need. Now, something you said before, too, about how this is one of the first songs where you've, like, really written about something. This record has a lot of songs about some things. Is there, like, a reason yeah. that this one, maybe in comparison to past ones, you're more compelled to do that? Uh, I don't know. Um, There's probably a lot. I think is you know... A lot of reasons coming together. Um, 
maybe I felt like sick, sick and tired of writing about cli- like climate crisis. Oof. Um, yeah. <laughs> or just like a, I don't know, like there wasn't there wasn't anything else to say from for me. Okay. Um, and also like my world shrunk a lot. Like, everyone's world shrunk a lot in um, coronavirus time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that really made me feel sort of want to feel a bit more like focusing, like narrow, narrowing my lens when I was writing about stuff. I just found it a lot easier and more inspiring to write about something, something, I don't know, like pithy from the outside, something that meant, means a lot to me. It sort of gave me the same kick as I felt the same kick as when I, when you like write your favorite band on your school bag, when you're a teenager, it's like, this is mine. Like, I like this. This is my thing. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's Agnes Martin or uh, like a bunch of the other songs. Oh yeah. There's one I know we're already going to have this exact same thing to talk about, which is locomotive. We'll get to that later, but Yeah, I like that idea It's of it being like, I don't give a shit if you don't know what this thing that I'm talking about is. I like it, so I'm going to I'm gonna talk about it. Well, even though this one's not, like, a specific person or whatever, the next song, Human Touch, definitely... I mean, it's very zoomed in to, I guess, like, like an individual experience, whether it's an amalgamation yeah. or whatever, but... Whereas the song before it was very zen and very like, you know, we're grounding ourselves, we're we're vibing out. This one is very much the polar opposite energy. It is just carnal and um, explicit and intentionally just kind of saying everything. <laughs> There's really a, a tact way to put it. It's It's got everything in it that it's got, you know. It's, yeah, it's just a, a carnal energy embodied in a song. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> it's it's like, a particular one to talk about. I know. It does. It does have, I guess, a carnal, a carnal energy, which is is strange because, like, there's no like content-wise, there was no sort of sexuality like intended in it. Um, it's about a, um, like, uh, some, a woman outside my house who was trying, who was stealing a car and we had a, um, a long chat basically about that. And also, um, press people coming to my house. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly feels very meta. (laughs) Yeah, and just invite and like you know how I'd be so much, I'd be so much more inclined to invite the woman who was stealing the car inside, which I did because she wanted water, even though she was like holding a crowbar and like off off chops on meth. She's like and a stealing lot, a car. <laughs> yeah, a lot less um, a lot less intimidating than the daily mail um 
which they'd probably be fucking proud of, you know, those freaks. Yeah. Um, I could see but that. And, and also, um, and also, I guess it was sort of just about um, that's the same sort of thing. That um, the 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 sudden um, oh shit, I moved the thing. The sudden um, sudden stasis that we'd all been been given from from uh, pandemic shit. You know, mm-hmm. suddenly we can all stop. Yeah. I will also say, you know, especially for someone who made a joke about sounding pretentious at the start of this interview, you're very, I can tell from this song, from everything you just said, from other songs on the record, you're very drawn to the real, not just like pretentious bullshit or pretense, you know, like Mm -hmm. the fact that you would rather invite a woman off the street, you know, who's literally stealing a car into your home than the Daily Mail. It's kind of like you choose the quote-unquote realer person if that makes sense mm. or very much lack of a better way of explaining it i uh, thank you i'm that's <laughs> nice to say it was it wasn't it wasn't as simple as that with like my partner and my housemates <laughs> <laughs> they were like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it was uh yeah jamie jamie from pond was actually like doing yoga in the living room at the time and she just like walked past say hey how's it going oh my she god she's cool though there you go. <laughs> had a had a glass we talked for a really long time she had a lot to say she had a lot to get off her chest there you go um but yeah i thought uh that's essentially what that song's about and um and just being worn out by movement and um and screens. It's fair. I mean, it gets back to the, the, the very literal human basics, the things that are kind of the opposite of digital and fake, down to yeah. bowel movements, um, as you do, as as one sings about regularly. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and me and this woman, um, and you and everyone, uh, I just sort of felt like we're all so wound up you know so wound up and sick and tired of um of you know all the sh- all the shit all the uh all the screens and hyper movement and and um and non-reality um you know the sort of bi- the the binary code version of something that's actually real and nuanced in a, in a sort of human and natural way, and this like desperate, desperate need for for the um, I can't remember what the word is. It's a cool word, but in Japan they have you know there's a word for like uh um like nature baths, like going and like bathing yourself in the in the ambience of like trees and stuff (laughs) this may have passed through like on my social feed at one point but i genuinely don't know so unfortunately i can't help you here um but yeah i mean i there's definitely even though we don't know the word i still think i kind of know what you mean so yeah 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 there you go well 
kind of moving on, ironically, this next song feels like it's touching on the two things that we've already discussed, which is, again, this sort of not liking falseness and pretension. And then also I'm like suddenly, oh, yeah, just writing about things that are yours, you know, because the next song is America's Cup. And for the people who listen to your music who are not from Australia, such as myself, they have absolutely no idea what the fuck that is. Um, so, so this is definitely, again, like you writing about your world and something that you know, and it's not necessarily about those of us who are from outside yeah. that world, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I guess it can be a bit um, it can be a bit a bit alienating, but I, I hope that... It's not, by the way. Please don't think that I, I'm saying it by that. I mean, I, in the sense that you're writing about your world and something that's close to you, you know, like physically close to you and your life experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's about... Um, it's it's drawn from a lot of things that's a sort of mishmash song that sounds like it's you know it sounds i mean sounds like it's about the america's the america's cup like a boat race um but it's sort of i guess it's it's a sort of uh it's a mishmash of all these of all these other little odds and ends of thought um like once again, I'm once again I'm falling into my feminine ways. Is uh, is a um, is a line from this uh, Swedish. Oh, oh shit! I don't. I, I better not get it wrong. Oh, well, I'm gonna get it wrong. I just have to deal with the consequences. Maybe I'll um, overdub this later. I probably won't, but I'll like overdubs. Like, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of there's probably a lot of a lot of shit that if you go back and if I if I had to go back over all my lyrics and like pick out the meaning of individual lines, I'd be like ah, that was a quote from something. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing piece of art that this man made. <laughs> I'm gonna man. describe that. Use that to describe everything from now on. It's an amazing it's, piece of art that a man or woman or non-binary person yeah. made. Guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first, I think it's 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 a song where everyone in different rooms of a big house is participating in this song. And the one line of it is once again, I'm falling into my feminine ways. Um, which I thought was very beautiful, very evocative. Um, but that sort of came about when I was walking along the street in London when I was living there and um, all these dudes came out of a gym 
these real, real jacked guys. And they were so big, like terrifyingly large men. And they scared the shit out of me. <laughs> um, I have been to a gym in London. I used to live bizarrely near Chelsea. But I was more intimidated by the women in the yoga studio who were looking at me like I did not belong there. But that was oh, a really? different kind of intimidation. Yeah, yeah. It's like some wealthy Chelsea women being like, why are you in our, our yoga studio? Like, yeah. Chelsea is a different world. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> where was this gym where these terrifying men walked out of? Do you remember? Well, they, they, yeah. I wouldn't say they were objectively terrifying. They're probably just nice dudes. Um, but it did make me, yeah, it did make me think about my, um, like the nature of, uh, of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I uh, definitely picked up on that. Yeah. And the, uh, and the sort of the like peripheral aspects of it, and, um, like strength. And an out, an outward, an outward showing of strength. These like physical signifiers of strength, and this, this very, this very sort of, um, you know, this very hollow, um, this very hollow idea of it, yeah. based on like, on muscles. And um and numbers of kilograms or whatever, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and 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 how that made me and and my history of um, you know my 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 history of my relationship with masculinity and and femininity or like you know um identity and that sort of stuff. And that also, I, I guess that's mainly what the song, that's a lot of what the song's actually about because it's also about um, about a guy I met in Fremantle who, for whom the changing of the city after the America's Cup would have been like a real big influence because there's a, uh, you know, we're like um, a veteran and worked in the way in in whaling uh, on whaling ships in the north of australia and it was like thoroughly traumatized guy um like a lot of people from that sort of background would be and like um you know him like lots of other like lots of other people from that sort of from that sort of um section of of Fremantle's past, like there's there's no space for them now. Um, post gentrification, yeah, and uh, there's just sort of a vacuum, a vacuum where like um where they can kind of go into into like a, a, a not very not super supportive, um, not super healthy kind of zone, yeah. I kind of, um, uh, and oh. yeah, mental health, mental health and addiction is, um, uh, is not very like well handled in, in most of our society, I reckon. 
Yeah. I found, may and maybe this was just me kind of linking it, but I'm curious on your take, the sort of linking point that I found just from, again, the side of gentrification and the sort of like masculinity is it's kind of like two different forms of convention, you know, like typical societal convention, like here's what typical masculinity looks like. And here's like this kind of like polished, gentrified, no fringe kind of version of society. And anybody who doesn't fit into either of those two categories kind of gets pushed out. So whether it be someone who's not conventionally masculine or someone who's not part of this this new version of the city that's been what they would probably call cleaned up, you know, mm. you're no longer welcome. There was kind of that sense to me in the song. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. That's a great take on it. Mm. I'll Spe- take that. It's All right. Genuine, there you go. Take, take it. Well, from there, we'll go on to the next song, which is Take Me, Avalon, I'm Young. First of all, before we even get into the song, there was a line on it that I really loved because it's like a good little double meaning moment, which was, here's looking at Euclid. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have seen Casablanca, so I obviously know the original reference. I know very little about the mathematician Euclid um, other than Google saying that he was a mathematician. Um, (laughs) you know, I got like all the other guys, like the Pythagoras and all that when I was in high school, but no Euclid. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, neither. I just, um, (laughs) that was just a real stupid line. That was a really stupid line. We love those. Which is why I said, which is why the line after it is, I really thought I was being funny. (laughs) Um, And, and then I, I back it up with another another like really really dumb play on words we love them though they're they're fun and also that feels weirdly fitting for the song because it's it feels like something that like a young creative person trying to make up something fancy would do like be like (laughs) see like i made a reference to a film and a mathematician while you know like tripping balls in a field somewhere in England. Like, it's like, see, I did that. Like, I'm so deep. Um, also, I love that the song starts with, like, an image of, like, a tattered Winnie the Pooh because I know that the song is, you know, about being young and being on, like, an essentially a gap year in England, which, for the record, to, even though... I don't know if we per se do, well, we don't do gap years in North America, but, you know, like, I moved to England and lived there for three years, so I did the, like, I'm going to be cultured thing, too. Like, I I definitely did that, but it's funny because that image of Winnie the Pooh being kind of, like, ragged and, like, it's, like, old and looking back at when it was young and carefree, but then also something about it feels like, just the way that you you describe it in the song. It's like a Winnie the Pooh, like sitting with like its legs up, staring at the air. It's like, just makes me think of someone to be quite frank, just tripping balls as well. So it kind of like, it's such an interesting layered image with like a lot going on in it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's definitely all of that. And that's a big part of it. Cause I definitely did that. You know, <laughs> I, I slept on, I, I slept on Glastonbury tour when I was 17 and did all that, all that stupid shit. And that's that's (laughs) definitely a part of it. Another, another part of it is um, 
the Winnie Pooh lying, lying with his legs in the air. It's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I always kind of felt like there's something. He was like being, being like uh, sexually submissive, um, and just like tired, like completely fatigued, and just like take, you know, take me. Um, just kind of presenting himself, um, and 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 sick of be- sick of being in, just tired of of even having any semblance of control. Um, and that's sort of tied into the idea, you know, like um, this image of uh, of like um, of immigration and 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 England and the like generations and generations of people who, for so many different, in so many different like situations, like for you or me or um you know, people from, from the continent or from Africa or from anywhere in the whole world, making this journey to this tiny little island, this magical island that still retains this Avalon kind of level of mystique, even though like generally you'll find like Tesco's and fucking, you know, Costa, uh, yeah, and, and stuff. And Greg's, like that. we can't forget Greg's. Oh, we wouldn't forget Greg's. <laughs> um, not to say, not to say it's shit. It's completely magical as well. Um, but like generations of people sailing in, looking at the white cliffs of Dover, and essentially like laying on their back with their le- legs open to England saying, take me, do what you will, like ravage me or make me feel, make me happy or make me sad or just like I'm basically just giving myself to, to whatever England has to throw at me. Yeah, it's just this like weird allure. It's kind of like the what's that Anglo Anglophiles or whatever this sort of concept of being drawn. And in that case, like that was me, I guess in a sense. You know, ever since I was young, I was like, oh, I want to live in England. It's so fascinating, and the people are more interesting. And perfect, perfect, yeah, perfect person to talk to about it. Yeah, it's something I understand very well. And I left England feeling quite jaded after. I mean, ironically, you know, like. I still have some of the most wonderful friends that are from there. Most of my closest friends are still in England. Like the one thing I'll give a lot of credit to is the people there, were, at least the ones I knew, were very like no bullshit and very, you know, just kind of unabashedly themselves. And I don't know if that's just an English thing or if it's the people that I found. So I was fortunate in that regard. But yeah, the the allure of the place over time died for me. And so I understand that like going from being like this sort of like wide-eyed young person i moved there when i was 19 years old you know Mm. being like oh this place is amazing and there's accents and europe is close and good music and london and that and then as you you know kind of take it in for exactly what it is just like with anything i think we 
human beings, we like to romanticize things we don't know. And then once we live in that thing or we experience that thing, it's the same with like romantic relationships or like dream jobs or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, you learn that maybe it's not everything that we've said it is, but for some reason we've built it up in the first place. And yeah. so, yeah. 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 And then you feel like, um, yeah, you feel like the tattered, the, the tattered uh, teddy bear. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, yeah, I guess but that, that's, that's kind of, um, what the yeah what the sort of analogy i was poking at with the song because <laughs> um yeah you know, this this like getting getting jaded going from being a uh a virile young real life bear to being a fake stuffed commercialized confused Discard yeah. ultimately discarded Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I'm sure if I like <laughs> dug through my my dog's toys, I probably got one that's probably the physical embodiment of exactly that because she's a little terrier yeah, yeah. and rips through everything. So yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, sure yeah. I have something partial. Actually, no, I do have a decapitated frog toy in my stuff that probably really embodies that image quite nicely. But yeah. And on that note, we're going to go to the next song, which is Pink Lunettes. Now, I read that, I mean, the song definitely has some sort of, like, cut-and-paste elements to it. Like, this is, if any song on this record is the sort of, doesn't have as much of a specific meaning and is more of a collage. I know it's this one. And I know that apparently you pulled from Leonard Cohen a bit. And... According to Genius, and according to something that you wrote yourself, because it says it, so... yeah. I've got the book here. Yeah, please, please show. I'm from Montreal, so Leonard Cohen is near and dear to my heart. Uh, yeah, it's this one. The favorite game. Okay, see, my guess, and this might be a very silly guess, but I was going to say it had something to do with famous blue raincoat, and the only reason I guess that is because it's a color in an article of clothing. Yeah, <laughs> Much yeah, like yeah. Pink Lunette is also that combination of things. It's a <laughs> nah, shallow nah. guess, but a guess nonetheless. Nah, it's this one. I can't remember where it is. But um I just yeah, there's just some good little there's some really beautiful turns of phrase. That's that is what he was known for. Yeah, he's he's not bad at <laughs> No, he's uh he's quite quite adept, I would I would say. Some might say, yeah, yeah. Some might might say a, a bit of a legend or an icon. Yeah, he's got potential. He's really It's like um, keep working at it, kids. Someday you might make something from yourself. <laughs> yeah, totally, exactly. No, he's um he's great. There's just a few like really I I'm not going to be able to find it. I don't know. It's in there somewhere. But he says, uh, yeah. Um, what was it? A taste of a taste of chilled anisette softened mother's face as she looked up from the star. There you go. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah. I just I'd written a bunch of a bunch of things in. <laughs> in my little notebook um i'd written that um 
And yeah, we had this um, this instrumental <coughs> um, that sort of, you know, gave me kind of suicide vibes and um, pretty kind of industrial, funky sort of thing. I and yeah, I just figured I'd just throw something on. Um, without thinking about it too much. Yeah. And that was, I I feel like that was what it wanted. That's what it's got. So we'll never know. (laughs) Well, it works. And now I know I've been kind of going in order, but I'm going to momentarily skip and come back because Rambo, which is two songs down, has a lot of lyrics that are repeated from Pink Lunette. Um, And... Oh, yeah, at the end part. Quite a lot. Yeah, there, there's a huge overlap. And I know Rambo's kind of has to do, again, we talked about, like, pretension versus more, like, real. And I guess <laughs> yeah. almost, like, high art and low art, and which also is why the name Rambo is kind of perfect for it. Because, you know, it's very yeah. much a popular film, um, contrasted yeah. with these sort of ideas of, like, pretentious literature and art films and things of the sort uh-huh yeah yeah it shares a lot of lyrics um i should i should uh i should run and hide or hold on i got one or, of them it's i should run and hide or die in the generational divide i believe is it yeah it's getting wide i um, keep notes yeah. <laughs> um yeah yeah well that was um I kind of liked for when without the last album, um, it's called Tasmania. The um, I had like a repeating motif, uh, which is I might go and shack up in Tasmania before the ozone goes, and that was um, and I kind of liked I kind of liked that idea, like as a little um, like uh, like an anchor point. Yeah, just something something to sort of ground like a con- a, a concept in the album, you know. When I mean, it's we're not making fucking Tommy here, but um, it's still nice that there was a sort of grounding point. And I thought that this would sort of act in a similar way, but it absolutely doesn't. Um, there's no there's no real grounding point so much that's, I mean, it's definitely not as easy to find one. You'd have to sort of draw, you know, jump to a lot of conclusions, I think. But that was, that was kind of how, where, where my, where my mind was at with repeating that phrase. See, I could definitely see some like common themes across the album, but I, it definitely has that kind of like scrapbook quality where like each yeah, song yeah, really yeah. holds its own thing. Now, and actually I think weirdly, this is a good time to jump back to the song before, which is Czech Locomotive, because for me, one of the things that is a seems to be quite a through line is not quite necessarily us versus them, but it's kind of like people who are outcasts of society or have mm-hmm. been shunned for not following some convention, whether it be this veteran that was in Fremantle or the woman that you let into your house because that was breaking into a car or later in Toast, the opposite of the people that are being you know, reference to these kind of like wealthy elites that we'll again get to later. With Czech Locomotive, mm-hmm. you have... Uh, a Czech runner who 
you know, initially was one of these elites. You know, he was an Olympic medalist. Him and his wife were very famous and respected. And then because he supported the wrong part of the Communist Party, became a social pariah and was basically sent to like a work camp and kept away from society for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, I Google a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, great. Um, Yeah, Emil Zatopek. Um, yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't my it wasn't intentional to focus on um, societal outcasts, but it is interesting that you point out that a lot of the people that I'm drawn to and inspired by are ah. Um, but yeah, I, I did think for a little while that the the kind of theme of the if there was a theme of this record was was like biography. Um, there's another song that we didn't end up putting on, which was about Yukio Mishima. He's a Japanese author who wrote um, the sailor who fell from grace with the sea. Um, and he also is, yeah, a, a, compl- a, 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 a societal outcast who was embraced and derided in sort of equal measures. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting that you point that out. I hadn't actually hadn't actually thought of that. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was just being inspired by people people's stories you know, which is the first time I've ever really written from that in my life, just being like kind of into into someone's vibe and writing a song about. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's nice to kind of get to dig your teeth into those stories. I mean, while there are many songs out there that are very biographical, for some reason, the one that I kept thinking of was Tyro by Alt-J because it was another one where it's someone who's, known in history but maybe not like at the forefront of history you know i think tarot like references a photographer like a wartime photographer or something oh. and he i think st- it's been a while like i interviewed alt j several years ago and i spent time researching this particular song uh-huh. and i think it was like this particular photographer i think he may have stepped on a landmine or something and lost his leg and i don't remember if he passed in that situation or if it was just a leg but there was like a sense of like longing for his wife who's like taro and her i think maybe he died and he was waiting for her anyway the point is it was another one of those songs that was like deeply biographical and someone had clearly like really been drawn to someone else's story and yeah you know the love in it the tragedy of it the their prolific nature as well like all these kind of i don't know just someone who's clearly worth exploring in some capacity yeah 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 yeah. and like i don't know just everything about um emil zatopek's story everything is is just so poetic and incredible like you don't i don't know that was what was cool about it you don't even have to I was just sort of holding holding events or, you know, things that I'd like 
you know, things that I'd read about him in my mind. And it was already like amazing and beautiful, just the shit that he did. And so it was like very easy to write a song based around it because it was quite dramatic, dramatic language, you know. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> that's snow snow and love and loss and like fucking javelins and shit yeah i kind of as a a slight tangent that i may or may not keep in the final cut but i'm kind of going through like that like moment of fascination with a historical character um there's a woman named uh, katarina sforza who was um a noble woman in italy around the time of like the borgias and stuff and her story is like super fascinating she's more nuanced than that in the regard of she's not like a good person who became a societal outcast. She was more of a woman of power that did some really great shit and some really fucked up shit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. she was um, of a family of what are called condottieri, which are like mercenaries. And uh-huh. so even though she was a woman, she was taught to fight and to hunt from a young age um while also being really into fashion and poetry and like things that were conventionally very feminine you know yeah yeah. and she was this very fascinating embodiment of both hyper masculine qualities and hyper feminine qualities in 1400s italy at a time where you know to be a a being that's holding both of those extremes in one was unheard of um i don't know that she was necessarily derided for it because she had a lot of influence but also she like defended a castle when she was seven months pregnant um like she's so and what about her yeah and i mean i i write sometimes i'm not saying that to be like look i write i like i really do it for myself when i feel like it but i've been wanting to write something about her because this idea of embracing these two poles which is something that I feel, you know, I think and any person does, like being given the permission by someone who was of a time that shouldn't have had that permission, you know, mm. to be both of those things to their extremes. Yeah. Anyway, that's a tangent, but I thought, you know, that you would appreciate no, it. because. Amazing. Well, on that note, we'll get to the next couple songs because we're like trying to move quick now because, I mean, we've got time, but, you know, we've. There's just so much in this album that we've had a lot of really great ground to cover. Um, I both do and don't want to put the next two songs together, which is, um, I'm like, I want to make sure I say the two parts of the song's title. I think it's Gold Cut Plastic Soul, not the other way around. Make sure that I have that correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. And Toast, because... I mean, Gold Cup Plastic Soul kind of holds both a lot of pessimism. Like, I remember reading in the notes on Genius that it was about the world getting fucked at her and fucked at her, uh, if I'm <laughs> saying that right, according to your annotation. But then also there's, like, that concept of escaping into nature that we talked about with Song for Agnes and finding... So it's kind of like the two poles of, you know, everything's fucked, but going into nature and getting away from it is maybe a way to find some some degree of solace yeah yeah for sure um i think a big part of that song is about um you know how i was saying earlier that a lot of my writing for this album was um just writing about small stuff that was important to me i started writing a poem about um these little kung fu slippers that I had like had become my thing 
like I it was I wore them like pretty much exclusively for you know a decade um uh, you get them from a little like Chinese uh, Vietnamese supermarket and they cost five bucks and um <laughs> and yeah so basically it was something that I got real into in the way of writing was starting writing about something really sort of, um, you know, something little, something, something little like that and seeing if it can sort of be like a drill to take me deeper. And it always is. That's what I think I learned with, um, with working at writing and actually just showing up and doing your doing your time it's the same as any practice is that if you go in there um you always get somewhere that's the funny thing about that's like the, the the bizarre thing about creativity is it's this like um you always show up you, you've got to show up and face a certain period of feeling like you're a useless piece of shit you got nothing yeah you got no you got no style no flair and no potential but like that's a necessary sort of mire to wade through <laughs> um and that's what happened with this one. I started just writing about these shoes. And um, it led me to to this this small separation that had this tiny little separation of plastic between me and you know and God's green earth for all these years and um and all the places I, and all and all the all the it was almost like a trip down memory lane i was thinking a lot about mallorca this um spanish island and just being like just a tiny little a tiny little couple of millimeters between me and, and the earth and these plastic souls yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to add to that, I think. Yeah, I, don't yeah, I guess it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> no, it does. I mean, look, like sometimes it's, you know, you just say everything that you need to say about a song and me adding anything isn't going to add anything, really. You know, it's it's all there. Well, on that note, we're going to get to the last song of the album before we get to the last four like deluxe songs now um when i first heard this song i guess i was only closely listening to a couple lyrics so i was like oh this is like the 80s sunset power ballad and i'm like oh i'm gonna listen to this and stare at the ceiling and it's really nice and then i read the lyrics and now i'm really sad so thanks a lot um <laughs> it has a very i was thinking to myself the feeling of it reminds me of dr strangelove because it's sort of like you know whereas in your song, it's people like toasting potentially the last sunset of of the earth that they've yeah. probably caused because they're the like, you know, maybe people in power. I don't know, like I 
petrol mogul or something like yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. destroyed the environment and i remember the final scene of dr strangelove if i remember correctly is a man happily riding an atom bomb down to earth because he's all proud and convinced that he did the right thing by riding it off like a cowboy on a horse um That's the end it. of that movie yeah. made me very sad as it's supposed to so again thanks a lot um but yeah. it is a fantastic song and a fantastic film for social commentary that's made yeah. to be dark and made to be unsettling and with this sort of twisted humor. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's I think you really you that's perfect. That's um And yeah, that that's that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's uh because Australia, Australia is, you know, a very corrupt in its um, political affiliations with the mining world, and there is a lot of veiling corruption and greed and um, the pursuit of, of of money in things like uh, in 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 whatever whatever way it can be veiled, you know, often often spirituality. Dude, I really? live in America. I used to live in Texas, so don't get me started on this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. You know exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very Doctor Strange love. They'll be toasting to their great and enormous empire of um, bauxite and uh, and iron ore and manganese and zinc and whatever fuck else when um when the end finally comes either through lack of or excess of water i don't know yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that's just what that's what it's about yeah maybe this is me like combating my own climate anxiety but i often like try and think about you know all the people on the other side of it who are hopefully creating change so that those people don't lead to some some actual version of of events in some capacity but yeah i mean look it's obviously it's something that you know you said you've spoken about a lot on your other records um and it's a big heavy subject for people of our generations and the generations surrounding ours um yeah yeah but yeah all i can yeah, say is sure. I, I hope for that sure. we we are the counterweight that is needed to not have a Doctor Strange love sort of yeah. capitulation for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. But that's all. Yeah, I um, I'm no expert. I'm just an, I'm another person who's anxious and freaked out. Yeah. Um. That's yeah. the other. That, that's the other human element of that song is that um. The, the reality of all of this is just not being able to be with your loved ones. And that's, um, and that's, that's the, that's the really sad part that can, that makes me, that, that really shocks me that people, um, can brush off climate anxiety as, you know, a, a concern of latte sipping inner city elites is the is the real the real anxiety of like uh of of you know you want your 
children to um, to experience love and and Se- nature and, and security like and uh, just all of the things you know I mean mm. hopefully and maybe again this is me trying to steer this otherwise very weighted topic um, to some sort of angle of hope but maybe rather than seeing it as like something that can be nihilistic this can be a song like especially that lion life is too short to be away from you it's like yes there's an element of using the time that we have but maybe it's also again something for us to all fight for and as much as that may sound a little like silly or overly noble it's like we can and we should and hopefully we will um to give ourselves good lives to give our future generations good lives and to take care of this planet that we are very, very, very lucky to inhabit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, well said. And I, and I hope, and I hope it doesn't come across as nihilistic. I um, I would never wanna. I'd never wanna do that. There's no room for nihilism. No, I think again, much like the the film that I found a lot of common ground with, so Doctor Strange Love. It feels more of a wake up call than a then I'd put our hands up and pretend nothing's happening. Now that we've really discussed all of the themes on this album, these four songs that have been added carry some of those same through lines. Like I see the sort of like, you know, talking about like the wealthy elites again on Hang Across on Me. I see (laughs) you writing very autobiographically and about something that seems to feel very particular to you on Lights of Leaming. You know, there's... um, what are the other things that I was seeing? I'm like having a moment. Brain, come back. Um, my funny serpentine felt like a very distorted look back on youth. Like it was like through a very kind of strange psychedelic lens. The TAB took my baby away. For some reason, it made me think of the newspaper, the tab, which you talk about the Daily Mail feels. And again, that might be a load of bullshit. I just, that I made up in my head. But I see a lot of these through lines. But before we even get into that, I guess I'm curious, like, why didn't those songs make it on the initial cut of the album? And why did you want to introduce them now? Particularly since there were others that didn't make the bonus, for example, and didn't make yeah, the first album. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a weird one. Hey, there's... Because um, I really wanted this album to be like a giant, big, sprawling mess, you know? <laughs> I wanted it to be like an an eighteen song sort of double triple album with like every sort of disparate genre exploration that we went on just included and tied together. But then um, uh, it was decided by democratic. Um, processes that would be a tight, concise, concise album where all the best, best, best songs were just on it. But then we like, I don't know. I never thought of deluxe albums. It's um, but you know, our dear friend uh, Kev from Tame Impala, he's that he's done deluxe albums quite a few times. That's true. There were and- B sides for Currents. I just remembered that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I saw him down the road from my apartment a few months ago at a, a local restaurant. All right. Yeah. Um, 
but someone had um yeah someone had that idea um that we could do that and that would be like a kind of compromise so like i would get to have my like big sprawling album with every with a bunch of shit included but we'd also release the tight concise one and um I just thought, oh, yeah, that seems like a pretty good compromise. But looking back now, I really wish we it was like a um, – we should have just released the other four songs as a separate thing because it's kind of weird, like, getting – you know, I, I didn't even think about it until it was already long, long done because um, this dude up in Derby where I grew up – OJ, he was like, man, I can't believe you, um, you know, I ordered, this is like a real regional town. He was like, I ordered the first one. It took fucking ages to get here. And now I realize it's not even the real album. So I've got to get it again. And it's like, oh shit, that's right. That's what it is. So I feel, I feel bad. I feel bad. <laughs> like we should have just released an EP with like other songs or something. Uh, well, whatever. What? Que sera, sera, what was, what was. I mean, that's what will be, it will be, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess going into the songs themselves, first of all, what the hell uh, was happening in Lights of Leaming? Like, there's just a lot of antics <laughs> happening on that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just about, um, about like suburban boredom i suppose yeah and like being like growing up in somewhere i don't know somewhere like leaming or derby or wherever where um kids teenagers mainly or like young people you just do stupid shit to to kill time yeah um burn stuff uh break stuff get fucked up light but furniture on fire apparently yeah 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 <laughs> um it was a um a conversation i had with a guy at um at the beach a couple of years ago and he had been there all night fishing <laughs> um I don't know, it was a weird, just a classic Perth sort of amalgam of someone like really wholesome, but also really, really not wholesome. Kind of like the woman out front of my house. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. But he was just like, here's like a, a fisherman. His dad was a fisherman. His grandpa was a fisherman. Um, but yeah, he was like, looking for he was waiting for some friends to come with a new um piece to get high and um and then he was like yeah we'll probably just do what we usually do you know drive around pick up shit from verge collection burn it <laughs> i was like oh bro that's amazing but the reason i thought about it was because he offered me he offered me to get high with them and I really was kind of like oh maybe like 
And it felt like a real sliding doors moment. Like what would my day and night, you know, the next 48 hours be like if I was just with this crew, just driving around like fucking leaming or, you know, wherever, wherever they were free or whatever. Um, just picking up Verge Collection and burning it. <laughs> um, yeah. That's well, about. It's certainly a way to spend one's time. Um, yeah. yeah. Kind of amazing. Kind of legendary, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and especially if you're in a place where there isn't much to do. Um, it Weirdly to me, like the, the youth aspect that you mentioned before, it made me think it's like the life phase before what's referenced on take me Avalon it's from the like I'm young and no one understands me and I'm in this place that's boring and I need to get out and then because of it you idolize somewhere else and maybe that somewhere else was England again this is me just making connections but you know I think there is definitely those sort of like you know the teenage angst of not wanting to be in the place where you grew up anymore and then finally getting out and feeling like the world is your oyster and everything else is magic and and yeah. then that fucks you over and you're like, oh, <laughs> and then you're a worn out Winnie the Pooh. And that's, that's <laughs> life. We. That's it. No, that's a good take on it. Sure. The, the meaning of life is slowly turning into a disgruntled, messed up Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it's an optimistic way to put things. But yeah, um, going to the next ones now. So my funny serpentine... Again, this is this is an interesting one um, that I don't know if it's more, again, like, I guess, writing to create a feeling and, you know, just like going based on, I guess, like what the, the, the music gave you or if there is more of a narrative behind it, because it's mm. just got like a lot of sort of twists and turns, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, this is one of those ones where the that makes me think that the repeating uh, I should run and hide or die in the generational divide thing was actually kind of almost a bit of a theme of the album because between this song and Take Me Avalon, I'm Young, there is quite a bit about like middle age and ageing and decay and... um. And this is like a theme that I have always found really, I don't know, a lot more like I, I, I've, I think I've drawn a lot more like juice, creative juice from it than you'd ever, than, than I would have ever expected, which is just the figure of the like, um, of the aging man, um, losing his youth basically the like midlife crisis i've i just have found it like I, it was in um earlier albums i've, I've like i always kind of go back to it as a theme i find it really like funny and sad and poignant um but yeah like this is just about an a, a wealthy a, a a wealthy and well-to-do society kind of gentleman um 
on a, you know, a very luxurious, trendy holiday island like Mallorca. <laughs> um, just kind of like going mad at his own becoming an old an old dude. Yeah. Now um, that I think about it, like, and going back and rereading some of the lyrics, like, the it's for some reason the line about, like, losing my fedora or, like, I'll do something, like, in very poor taste. Like, it feels like someone who's out of touch. Like, yeah, who's... yeah, just getting desperate and, like, you know, yeah. jumping on the table and doing something insane as uh, your kids roll their eyes. It's like, dad. Yeah. It's the, like, dad joke taken to its most insane possible extreme yeah like no matter how far you go and what fucking naked bacchanalian like antics you get up to teenagers are still just gonna be on their phone rolling their eyes yeah even even if you've got like yeah a labrys hung from your scrotum and a wreath around your waist (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, like, there's not much of another way to put it. It's it's true. Um, well, speaking of, I guess, kind of digital things, this is going to sound like a weird tangent, but going into the TAV took my baby away, something about it felt like it was touching on digital artifice again. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, for example, what is the TAB in this case? The TAB is a gambling place. Oh, okay. In Australia. Yeah, I tried Googling it, but writing the word T, old like tab or TAB into Google gives yeah. you literally nothing or everything in a sense. It's not the most search engine optimized word, especially if you're yeah, based yeah, in yeah. Australia. So I couldn't yeah. find that. But yeah. No, the TAB is like a, um, it's often attached to pubs, like it's a little section like another another room in a pub that has shitloads of like um tellies on the wall with you know all horse races and um sport for people to bet in and it's like really dark and it's like where all the you know the TAB guys go <laughs> you know the the the, the gamblers and it's like it's very dark and uh, like lit, like by televisions, not natural light. And um, that song is about um, a friend. Um, you know how they got gambling? There's a TAB app. Oh no! Or like there's a gambling app. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, basically, like, the digitization and, and the convenience and the loss of, um, of uh, one-to-one, like, human interaction involved in gambling makes it so convenient that um it's it's become easier for people to throw their lives away mm. without a system of 
even the most like fragile, tenuous checks and balances, like going to the bookkeeper, which is nothing, but at least it's something, some yeah. semblance of like human interaction. It's like turning, it's like, it's like going to the bank and asking for a loan as opposed to just having a credit card. Mm. There's something you know? about actually to your point, I think, I don't know if there's, there's probably some kind of behavioral science about the, uh, around this, but there's something to do with like the effect of like physically giving someone cash versus using a credit card. It's like almost like you're yeah. physically seeing what money you're giving away versus yeah. on a card, just like tapping it or inserting it into a machine. It's just kind of quick. Like there's some, yeah. like even to your point, like he, having someone to your face say, this is how much money you've lost or this is how much money you've won kind of makes it more real than this sort of removal of just like you said, constantly hitting buttons on an app. Yeah, yeah. So this happened to a friend and he essentially lost everything and um and ended up ended up dying. And um and yeah, this song is just about um the TAB taking away a um brother, son, husband, father uh for gambling hmm. it's interesting because when i was first reading and again even thinking like taby like the tab like a newspaper for some reason even with that i picked up a sense of someone falling down some kind of rabbit hole because initially i was wondering if it was about like misinformation or like you know mm -hmm. people who fall into like conspiracy theories and it's basically right. Someone being taken away from reality by something. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. even though I didn't know what the TAB was, because again, I'm from Canada, you know, the the sense of, again, someone being taken by this thing again and becoming lost to the world in a sense reads through either way, whether you know what the TAB is or not. Good. That's yeah. nice. But yeah, it's like there was another verse and there was more of a thing where I was like going on the um, imagery of um, of uh, like biblical floods starting to happen in a similar way to toast. Um, like the, the, the apocalypse in a biblical sense starting to actually arrive and the image of all the blokes at the like, you know, Bungendore top pub TAB, like coming out at the end of the day and opening the door and there's like water everywhere. I mean, like, oh shit, you know, yeah. just the image of them kind of missing it because they're in the tab. <laughs> being lost to the world yeah well those same kinds of people as we get to the final song because we did it on this long journey we've made it to hang across yeah. on me which is it feels like it's those people once again it's the like ideas of like gilded halls and what's it again i have it open like new south wales and hollywood and like it says, our burning piles of brittle wood and cocaine dreams. Like there's, again, this sense of privilege and artifice and just, yeah, like this weird <laughs> fake world. 
Yeah, well, yeah, no, you're, you're actually kind of right there. <clears throat> and that was the thing with um, Wu Yang Princes, because that's the, um, you know, like that Balinese shadow puppetry? Yes, I think so. That was the sort of idea behind that, like um, in the sense of, um, you know, Plato and the forms that uh, there are sort of layers of reality from. Oh, like the allegory of the cave? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and the shadows making, yeah, making a very, like a distant version, a distant imitation of the actual bright, glorious reality outside. Um, and that was, was what I meant by Wu Yang and that's... Mm. So it's yeah, yeah, it's funny. The art, the artifice and imitation, and 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 falsity. Yeah, that's it. There's almost another element, similarly to again, take me Avalon. I'm young of the sort of expectation of reality versus what the actual reality is. Like how we can be shown these like distorted versions of, like or romanticized versions of a thing, whether it be England or Hollywood or. New South Wales or wealth or this yeah, or yeah. that, or even like, again, it's cliche, but in the social media age, that's kind of the name of the game. It's this sort of gilded reality, if you will, this falsified version. So it's funny, whether you meant it or not, that sort of theme kind of pops up yeah. again. Nah, you, you're right. And like, I guess... I also kind of direct that idea at the um, at myself and my career with like making music, making songs, you know, as uh, as part of that kind of world of like you know gl glitter and uh, glitter and expectation and sort of showbiz. Yeah. I mean, look, outside of this, I work in the music industry. It's going to sound very ironic, but my full-time job is a social media manager. So I'm, yeah. I have this very interesting love-hate relationship with social media. I'm both heavily critical of it and also it's what pays my bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. how I, I promote my podcast. It's like this sort of... You know, it's this weird thing of like, we kind of can't live without it, especially in the industry that we operate in, because it's how we spread the word about the things that we do. But it also can be pretty fucked up at the same time. Totally. totally. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of the, um, of that, of that, uh, that kind of paradox where I'm completely reliant and in love with you know, still like totally enamored by the glitter of, uh, of, you know, rock and roll and, and, and showbiz or whatever performance. Um, but it's also like, you know, it doesn't stop me from knowing that it's completely stuffed and the whole yeah. idea is like mental, but I mean, I yeah. still love it. <laughs> Look, again, I live in Los Angeles and like over the last several weekends, I've walked past many a celebrity and 
it's the same paradox. Like, there's a half of you that's like, oh, shit, there's, that's that person from that thing there. And there's the other half of you that's like, it's, it's a person. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, we live in a society where we've built those things up. Like, hell, like, I mentioned seeing your, your boy Kevin at a restaurant. Like, he's well known. Yeah. He's done a few things, you know? So it's like, oh, it's, it's the guy from that band there who's very talented and brilliant at what he does. And also, he's a person living his life and that's fine yeah, and, and he's having his his sandwich you know it's but that it's duality and the thing is that yeah. is okay like unless you're being like you're allowing yourself to be completely consumed by it which is not healthy you're allowed to accept that there's some of that glitz is you know it's quite deeply set in our brains this is the world we live in and you can find a little bit of joy in it without while still keeping yourself grounded in reality at the end of the day, if that makes any sense. For sure, for sure. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's good not, it's good to have a balance. I agree. It's all we can do. Nine, the deluxe edition is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.